Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. This previously recorded episode of Back from the Borderline may contain mentions of social links or initiatives I took part in that are no longer active or relevant. To follow the podcast on Instagram, connect with me directly, or support the work I'm doing, visit backfromtheborderline.com. You have entered Back from the Borderline, where we walk willingly into the darkness within our minds and return home to ourselves transformed. I'm your host, Molly. I spent most of my life numbing the pain and emptiness inside me, unaware that my self-sabotaging behaviors and thoughts were destroying my ability to connect with myself and other people. One day, I decided I was sick enough of my own bullshit to hear life calling, telling me it was time for a change, and I decided to answer that call. On this podcast, we'll learn that when we see ourselves as the hero of our own journey, it gives us the best chance at finding our inner truth and integrity. Together, We'll learn to hold complex feelings, expand our consciousness and self-awareness while making meaning of our suffering. Are you ready to find out who you are underneath the weight of everything that's been keeping you stuck? If the answer is yes, follow me down the rabbit hole of psychological and spiritual growth. I'm so glad you're here. And with that, let's dive straight in to the episode. What's up? What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm happy to have everyone returning for the next series that we're going to be doing here on Back from the Borderline, all about BPD, sex, and intimacy and relationships. I posted something to Instagram stories earlier this week just out of curiosity about how BPD impacts intimacy and sexuality for my followers there on Instagram. And I've asked a couple of polling questions here and there via Instagram stories, and there's always a pretty good response. But when I posted this question, it blew up. Hundreds, well, maybe I'm being a little <laughs> exaggerating, BPD style, I, there there were definitely, if I'm being really realistic, probably between 80 and 100 responses. So needless to say, sex and intimacy is a super hot topic, which I can't say it surprises me, but just to see it in black and white was just astonishing. And reading the experiences of everyone um, was so sad it was validating, it was emotional. And I only say sad because it's just like, this stuff is painful. And I resonated with almost every single post. And 
it inspired me to embark on a new series all about this topic, diving into it every which way. <laughs> that sounds very sexual. Wow. Um, but really, like, I really just want to dig into it. I want to get open, real, honest, use research, use our emotions, um, the experiences of others. I've really done a lot of reading and research on this. And also as someone whose primary form of self-harm when it comes to how my BPD has affected my life has absolutely been through sex and intimacy. Well, lack thereof of true intimacy through sex. Um, and my relationship to sex and my relationship to my desires, all of these things has been something that has in relationships to the instability of that has contributed to so much pain and suffering for me. And I always perceived myself just to be someone who was kind of unlucky in love, right? Which was a really, um, I realized I was, you know, adopting that super victim mentality. I was just completely spent my entire twenties completely unaware of what may be going on. It's just like literally wrapped up in my bullshit and had no idea that it could be something like BPD that, um, was contributing to this. I just was unaware. I would have told you probably in my twenties that I was unlucky and, probably would have told you that I didn't think things through before I did them. I would probably tell you that I was anxious and depressed sometimes, but I had not connected all of these dots. So I say all that to say I have a very, no pun intended, intimate relationship with this particular subject. Um, I'm going to admit if I go into talking about self-harm, physical self-harm, I'm going to have to bring on other people that have experience with that because I am someone who has BPD who did not struggle with um, physical self-harm in the form of cutting or burning or injuring my, my body in that way. But when it comes to sex and intimacy and relational problems as self-harm, that's, that's me. That's, that's where I can take a place of authority in terms of what it feels like and how much pain it can bring because I'm right there with you. So if this sounds like something that you've struggled with in your life, um, keep listening because we're going to really dive into these topics. So I decided to start all of this, um, with research. I think it's important for us to have balance as people with BPD. I've found that to be most helpful for me. I want to read the toxic stuff online. I want to read the research stuff online that's very clinical and maybe actually doesn't take into account what we actually feel like. I want to read creative people's experience of BPD. I want all of it so that then I can take it and not be victimized by it, not I make it my identity, but go see it holistically, see the patterns that I'm engaging in that are clearly negatively impacting my life, and then making small little adjustments like a scientist would, and watch the outcomes become better. And as I started to do that, 
just there were radical transformations in my life. And so I wanted to start this episode by diving into some of the research about sexual behavior in borderline personality disorder. And I found an article that I actually wanted to read and then react to um, react to some of the passages as we're reading it together. I love YouTube videos that are structured like that. And so I thought, why not try this for a podcast? Because let's just ground our first episode about intimacy in some real research so that we can expand upon it like we did with splitting. So without further ado, let's get into this article. So the article that I'm going to read is from NCBI, which is the National Center for Biotechnology Information. The study article was written by Randy Sanson and Lori Sanson, MD, and the title is Sexual Behavior and Borderline Personality, a Review. The article itself, just for your reference, was published in 2011. So that's kind of where where we're at and from a research perspective, depending on how nerdy you are with uh, and up-to-date you are with psychological research. I mean, I would wager to say that research about BPD and then just the way that we're looking at trauma and all of these things has changed significantly since 2011. So always be listening to this research with a critical um, ear, right? And providing context to things that may have changed, right? We should always be not always taking research just as solid fact. It's just facts based upon what they've found in this particular study at this particular time, right? Okay. So the abstract of the article starts off as like this. According to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, various forms of impulsivity are associated with borderline personality disorder, including sexual impulsivity. The existing empirical literature indicates that patients with borderline personality disorder appear to differ from patients without this disorder in a number of relevant ways. So already we're talking about sexual impulsivity. I feel like that will just ring bells for a lot of you. I know for me, impulsivity is a massive issue in my life in so many different ways, but sexual impulsivity was absolutely something that was was very real for me. So the article continues, Specifically, those with borderline personality disorder are more likely to exhibit greater sexual preoccupation, have earlier sexual exposure, engage in casual sexual relationships, report a greater number of different sexual partners, as well as promiscuity, and engage in homosexual experiences. Okay, so let's unpack that part. So they're saying that people with BPD are more likely to exhibit sexual preoccupation. Is that true for you? What is sexual preoccupation? Basically being preoccupied with sex. You're thinking about it all the time. And for me, thinking about sex all the time doesn't necessarily have to mean horniness. It's like you feel like that's the only way that you can get validation. And so you'll try to maybe arrange a hookup or try to send a sexy picture to someone to get that validation, right? It doesn't necessarily mean arousal. It's just you're preoccupied with thoughts of sex as a way 
to get closer to someone. If you're anything like me, I want to provide a bit of a different perspective because in my experience, stigmatized viewpoints are often like acting like people with BPD or like these horny crazed monsters. And I really don't, that's not the case for me. I I was mostly doing it out of just really trying to connect with someone so desperately and so, and was completely unaware that I was doing it in a really fucked up and wrong way. So the next thing they say that people with BPD have is earlier sexual exposure. What that means to me is quite literal. We were exposed to sex at an early age. For me, I went to a daycare when I was young um, and my parents were at work. And just like a lot of other kids in the late 80s and early 90s, we um, went to big daycares, which like people could probably not even imagine now with like COVID stuff going on. But I went to a daycare with probably like, I don't know, eight or nine other kids. And I think I'll save to go into this in greater depth in another episode because I think it bears... Um, extrapolation, but there was a situation where I was exposed to a a boy who was a little bit older than me, who certainly exposed me to sex and sexuality a little earlier than I should, a lot earlier than I should have been. And as a young child, we played a lot. My siblings and I played with neighborhood kids and Again, very common in the 90s. We'd just run around the neighborhood in Wyoming and all of us would be running around together and wouldn't come back inside until six o'clock at night. But yeah, again, there was an exposure with another older neighborhood boy to sex much earlier than I should have been exposed. Um, so that is certainly something I can relate to, having earlier sexual exposure. So this article also says people with BPD are likely to engage in casual sexual relationships, report a great number of sexual partners, as well as promiscuity. The article also touches on that people with BPD are more likely to engage in homosexual experiences. This one is a touchy one. I had a lot of followers respond to me saying that they feel gay one day, straight the next, and I can relate to the sexuality question without a doubt. For me, I do identify as a cisgendered female, and uh, so I've, I cannot speak to feelings of gender dysphoria. Um, I will absolutely look to having voices on the podcast who can speak to that perspective, um, that unique perspective, because it's so important that the, those voices are heard because I think they're drastically misrepresented and up underrepresented rather. <laughs> There's not even enough of them for them to be misrepresented, but they're underrepresented in BPD research and content, which I really want to change. So I can't relate to the feelings of gender dysphoria, but I can relate to the questioning your sexuality. Um, I think for me, it's a lot because there's just like such a shift in when you feel connected to someone and when we feel those strong, quick, fast connections that our BPD sometimes leads us into can kind of trick us into feeling like we need to prove something to that person. And sometimes that's just because we feel like we can sexually please them. That's something we can do to get them closer to us. And I don't know if that resonates for you guys, but it's certainly something I've struggled with. 
I struggled with taking steps in a relationship and picking apart what I wanted in an actual partner. And instead I was just so hyper-focused on wanting people to like me that then I was creating this cycle of toxicity with my relationships. So the article goes on to say, in addition, patients with borderline personality disorder appear to be characterized by a greater number of high-risk sexual behaviors, a higher likelihood of having been coerced to have sex, experiencing date rape, or being raped by a stranger, and the contraction of more um, sexually transmitted diseases. So that's scary stuff. And I can tell you, I have been in some really, really scary, scary situations as it pertains to sex because of my impulsivity, my lack of really asking myself, is this someone who has my best interest at heart? Do they know who I truly am? What do I want out of this interaction? Is it for someone to love me? Does the, is this what love looks like? I didn't stop to think about those things, but that's because I was just unaware. I was in just like this hurricane of BPD. And when you kind of become aware of these behaviors, like I have, and I, I hope that this podcast that your own life experiences bring you to this, but I believe that there's somewhat of like an eye of the storm of BPD where you get to a spot where you are like, oh, and it's all quiet and you can look out and you can actually see the cyclone just kind of like, it's not a hurricane cyclone, like a tornado and like the Wizard of Oz, right? You're in the eye of the storm and the eye of a tornado is like where it's just still for a moment, you're in the middle of the tornado. And for me, when I realized that I had BPD and I saw and I stopped to see all this sexual destruction and this relational destruction that was happening, it was like being in the eye of the tornado. And I looked around and I was like, oh my God, this is just a pattern. I'm doing it again and again and again. And I could see the destruction from the eye of that tornado. And that's when I was like, nope, I'm, I'm recovering from this. Like, I don't want this anymore. I could see that I was bringing on a lot of this pain upon myself. And you think that realizing that you did, you've kind of done this all to yourself would be a really disempowering realization. But for me, it was only disempowering for a brief moment because I was like, yeah, shit. Wow. I have created a mess. And Sure, a lot of there were people on the other side of my relationships who are not perfect either. They made their own mistakes. But I let myself feel sorry for myself for a little bit longer. And then I just let that go. And I thought, if I'm going to change my life, I need to become the type of person that someone would want to be with. And right now, I am just, I'm a cornered animal. Why would someone want to, why would a healthy, good partner want to be with someone who behaves like a frightened cornered animal. I needed to learn how to love myself and be the type of person that I would want to be with. And that was a really hard realization, but I wish that for all of you, if you're feeling stuck, are you the kind of person you would want to be with? And if not, don't beat yourself up. We can change. Brains are plastic. We can change our behaviors. 
Don't think about the past or the future. What are you going to do today to be a little better than you were yesterday? It sounds really cliche, but that's what we have to do. We can either use our BPD as a label and as an excuse of why we can't have the things that quote unquote normal people have, but I would wager to say that there's no normal people. What is normal even? Use your BPD not as a label and as an excuse, but use it as a way to become a scientist. My One of my favorite podcasters, Dr. Caroline Leaf, she says, be a thought detective. Use your BPD as a way to identify those frameworks and pick them apart as a scientist. When you notice these, these thoughts pop up or these sexual urges that you think maybe are sexual, but really they're just like this desperate need to get fulfilled. Be a thought detective. Identify that as as BPD, not as you. And then find a healthier way to work backwards from there. And I'm going to provide a lot of tips um, to help with BPD and sex and intimacy at the end of all this, this series. But let's just crack on and finish reading this article. So the last paragraph of the abstract here says... Overall, the psychological themes relating to sexual behavior and borderline personality disorder appear to be characterized by impulsivity and victimization. I mean, where's the lie? (laughs) That's accurate. If we're going to be honest with ourselves and if we're going to set ourselves up for success for this entire intimacy series, that is the reason behind our problems as people with BPD with sex, it right there is impulsivity and victimization. Our inner impulsive behaviors and then our vision of ourselves as a victim that things happen to. That is true for me. And I think if you have BPD and you're really honest with yourself, you will find that to be true for you too. Those realizations should not come with shame. I'm going to check you because even now you're probably like, oh my God, I, it feels like shit to think of yourself as an impulsive victim mentality person, right? It sucks at first, but then go, okay, that's not who I am though. Those are the frameworks I'm operating on right now. And now I realize that I'm operating on those within those frameworks. Now I'm going to get out of there because that's not who I actually am. It's not who you are. It's just something that your body learned to do when you were really young to keep you safe and it's not working anymore. So let's keep learning together. The article goes on with this new paragraph that's titled The Literature on Sexual Behavior in BPD. There are a number of reports in the literature that describe sexual behavior in individuals with BPD. These reports consist of clinical impressions, case reports, and empirical investigations. First, clinical impressions. In the early literature, Hawk and Politan, I may be butchering these names. I actually for sure am butchering these names. Don't care though. God bless them though. I'm sure they're great researchers, but I just don't have time to look up how do I pronounce these names. So Hotch and Politan described a group of patients who would likely be diagnosed with BPD according to contemporary approaches. With regard to this cohort, these authors emphasize the phenomenon of pansexuality, i.e. all-embracing sexuality, which encompassed promiscuity, polymorphous, perverse sexual practices. Wow, but you didn't have polymorphous, perverse sexual practices in your BPD bingo card. 
Okay. And they also stipulate heterosexual and homosexual vacillation. So what that means is switching between straight and gay, um, which I did. I did receive responses in my Instagram stories, many of them saying that people struggled with heterosexual, homosexual vacillation. So it proved to be true in my quote unquote research of, you know, polling 1400 of you, of my followers. So maybe there's something there. I'm just reading the research and I'm just reporting what was uh, reported to me. And also for myself, I can absolutely relate to that too. So the article continues to say, in discussing impressions of his clinical practice, Stone, another authority in the field of BPD, indicated that more than 25% of his outpatients with this access to disorder exhibited promiscuity. In contrast, Stone reported that promiscuity was uncommon among his non-BPD clientele. In discussing the issue of sexual relationships between the therapist and patient, Guthiel, again, butcher in the names, commented that patients with BPD are particularly prone to evoke boundary violations. As an example, he understood sexual acting out. I hate the phrase sexual acting out. It just sounds so archaic and weird to me. That's all that I have to say on the matter. I just don't like that phrase. Next, case reports. In addition to authoritative clinical impressions, there are several case reports in the literature on the sexual behavior of patients with BPD. For example, Plesser described a female BPD patient in her 20s who suffered from promiscuity. Likewise, O'Boyle described the collective sexual experiences of four patients with BPD and portrayed their self-reported promiscuity as a means of coping. I am this close to falling off the deep end. (laughs) I know I'm smiling right now, but the light inside me is dying. That is very relatable. As I said before at the beginning of this episode, I think that most of us with BPD are not raging, horny, sexual deviants. That's just not it. That's not it. That's not it, sis. That's just not what's going on. (laughs) Sure, I'm not speaking for everyone with BPD, but at the core of all of us is this desperate need to be loved. And some of us learned at an early age that we can the way that we felt loved was through doing what other people wanted and being what other people wanted. And for a lot of us, that was being sexualized at a really young age. And sometimes that's the closest we've ever felt to people. And then we wonder why it hurts. And so we're like, we want it and we're repulsed by it at the same time. Promiscuity as a means of coping is a very very accurate description of kind of my entire adolescence and 20s. (laughs) I need like a t-shirt with like promiscuity as a means of coping on it. I don't, I really don't, but that, uh, that sentence is very, or that statement is very, very, it hits me. Um, the article moves on to say empirical studies, in addition to authoritative Impressions and case reports, there are a number of empirical studies on sexual behavior in BPD. For example, an empirical endeavor that was designed to explore sexual attitudes. 
Here we go with more names. Hurlpert, Apt, and White compared a 32 women with BPD to 32 women without personality disorders. In this study, the authors found that women with BPD evidenced greater sexual assertiveness, erotophilic attitudes, sexual esteem, sexual preoccupation, and sexual dissatisfaction. I think that a lot of us can relate to the sexual assertiveness. And to me, assertiveness means like you're confident that you can do a good job at sex. Why? Because we've spent our entire time wanting to please other people and learning how to do that to get closer to people. And when that is your goal, you become good at pleasing other people. But what we become really not good at is knowing what the hell we want, right? And that then we feel dissatisfied for some reason that we don't understand. Well, it's because you can't get your needs met when all you're doing is trying to meet other people's needs. So erotophilic, erotophilic attitudes. <laughs> I'm typing this, erot, <laughs> erotophilic meaning right now. We're doing this together. Okay, so being erotophilic should mean that you're more comfortable talking about sex matters. I would absolutely portray myself as the super sex positive person. I would talk about my sexual escapades to my friends and act like it didn't matter. And I talk about my messiest hookups that I actually probably felt a lot of shame for afterwards, but I think calling it out and wearing it as a badge of honor, it's kind of like how stand-up comedians go out on stage and like rip themselves apart so that it's kind of like this masochistic thing. I feel like a lot of us with BPD do that. We become like the joke ones of our friend group. Like our our slutty behavior is kind of like something we laugh off and like tell everybody about and we all joke and we wear it as like a badge of honor. Higher levels of sexual preoccupation and sexual dissatisfaction. Why don't we still feel satisfied from sex? Well, it's because we have never, ever, ever thought about what we really want, what turns us on, what actually makes us feel good is a foreign concept to us because we don't feel like we deserve anything good. So we haven't allowed ourselves to feel good. Miller et al. compared 52 substance-using individuals with BPD to 40 non-substance-using individuals with BPD. So he's comparing people who are abusing substances and are not abusing substances, using them and who aren't. In addition to poor academic performance and unemployment, the substance using group was significantly highlighted by promiscuity. What does that mean? We get a little bit slutty when we <laughs> drink or when we're high or when like we are not of sound mind. Think about it. We're already not really of sound judgment when we're not inhibited. So imagine when you are feeling dysregulated and you get drunk, you get even more dysregulated. You are more impulsive. You are more promiscuous. For those of us with BPD, we have to be really, really, really careful. And I say this for my younger listeners too. Be so careful about who you choose to get drunk around. You can get yourself into some really, really dangerous positions. Speaking from experience. Hull et al. examined 71 hospitalized female patients who were diagnosed with BPD. 
These investigators found that 46% of the participants in this study impulsively entered into sexual relationships with partners that they did not know very well, i.e. they engaged in casual sexual relationships. Finally, in a literature review that was based upon six empirical studies, Nieleman concluded that patients with BPD exhibited heightened sexual impulsivity as well as vulnerability to homosexual experiences. Further details of this analysis are unavailable because the original article is written in Dutch. I really don't like the phrasing yet again. Just like sexual acting out, I also really like vulnerability to homosexual experiences. A better way of putting this, saying vulnerability to homosexual experiences makes it sound like there's something wrong with homosexual experiences. And I just don't like that. And also further details are unavailable because the article is written in Dutch. It's like, (laughs) wow, thanks. Um, I'd like to add some color to this if I can. I think that if you're anything like me, BPD can make you confused between regular feelings of intimacy and sexual feelings of intimacy because the, the lines between those things are kind of blurry for us. We are trying to get love from everywhere. And I think that someone knows their true sexual orientation in their, in their soul. And don't defer to any research. Don't listen to wording like vulnerability to homosexual experiences. The biggest thing that I want to impart upon you is do what feels right in your soul. And sometimes that means taking a step back and learning to love yourself. RuPaul, one of my favorite human beings of all time, host of RuPaul's Drag Race, icon, fucking just incredible human being, says, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? So when we are deep in our BPD, when we're unaware of our diagnosis, you know, if you have BPD, how much you hate yourself. No wonder we have a hard time loving other people when we hate ourselves so fucking much. If you're confused about your sexuality, learn to love yourself a little bit more first. Love on yourself. Don't pressure yourself to find out if you're straight or if you're gay or if you're whatever. If you're confused about that, try loving yourself a little harder and see what happens. So the article finishes this piece and says, collectively, these preceding studies indicate that individuals with BPD may harbor greater sexual preoccupation engage in more high-risk sexual behaviors, experience more casual sexual relationships and more sexual partners, contract more sexually transmitted diseases, and be more likely to experiment with homosexual activities. The overall theme among patients with BPD is greater sexual impulsivity. And what I take from like a big sister to you perspective, and if you're older than me or whatever, who cares? Just think about me as your friendly older sister right now. Sometimes this research-based stuff, the way that they write it, it sounds so cold and so clinical. Yeah, well, that's just the way it is. But what this all says to me is just, this is what people do when they really hate themselves. This is how people act. We're putting ourselves in the most intimate positions with people that don't deserve it, that are sometimes scary and putting us in scary situations. 
way too old for us, taking, abusing their position of power over us. We get confused because we're moving too fast, sending pictures of our bodies and then regretting it later. Sexual impulsivity, if you're doing anything sexual, putting yourself out there in any way that is sexual, it should be with full love of yourself, with full body choice. You, Every part of you wants that. And it's not about wanting to make someone else love you or bring you them closer to you. I hope that that helps. It's just such, it's a message I wish I could have given to my younger self. So let's wrap this up. The conclusion of this article is as follows. The majority of the literature in this area suggests that in comparison with individuals without BPD, those with BPD evidence greater sexual impulsivity as indicated by higher levels of sexual preoccupation, earlier sexual exposure, more casual sexual relationships, a greater number of different sexual partners, promiscuity, and homosexual experiences. In addition, these patients evidence greater victimization as indicated by a higher number of high-risk sexual behaviors, greater likelihood of being coerced to have sex, date rape, or rape by a stranger. I want to stop here. I received some messages to my story that some of my followers are younger teenagers, and one of them reported that she or he is engaged in some type of sexual relationship with a much, much older man. Because of our desperate need to feel loved and become closer to other people, we can leave ourselves open to being in really scary situations. This piece of the conclusion is saying that people with BPD, we are at a higher risk of being coerced into sex. And what being coerced into sex means, it means it's been being pushed to have sex when you don't want to. And that is wrong. When you have sex, every part of your body, every part of you should feel like you want that. Not a single part of you should ever feel like you don't want that. If your gut, that feeling in your stomach says something is not right, It's not right. We leave ourselves open to date rape. I have had something put in my drink at a bar and thank God my sister was there. I had to get drug home. Anything could have happened to me. I just blindly trusted the people I was with and I was so unaware of my surroundings and so uninhibited and so impulsive that I allowed myself into these scary situations. Is the man who put something in my drink responsible? Absolutely. Am I also responsible for leaving myself open and vulnerable to something like that happening to me? Absolutely too. I want to make sure that I never put myself in that position ever, ever again. And I don't want that to happen to you. The article continues on. Note that both of these themes, impulsivity and victimization, characterize the psychological themes encountered in a number of other common behaviors in BPD, alcohol and substance misuse and abuse, eating pathology, a difficulty regulating money. So basically they're saying that this impulsivity around sexuality makes sense with people with BPD because we have impulsivity around alcohol, around um, our eating, with eating disorders, with our spending habits, the impulsivity 
is something that destroys our life in various ways, include, including sexual. From a psychiatric perspective, these findings suggest that sexual impulsivity and victimization are practical clinical concerns in patients with BPD, both in terms of relevant psychological themes, as well as health risks. What they're saying there is that this impulsive sexual behavior harms us psychologically inside as well as physically, right? We can suffer from sexually transmitted diseases. We can become physically hurt from sexual assault, but also inside the trauma that's happening. When I, like when I spoke to you just before this and just a moment ago and said that any sexual experience you should, you have anything, any intimate experience doesn't even have to just be sex. When anyone touches you and any, there is any intimate experience you have, you should feel one hundred percent full body. When I say body, mind, body, inside your gut, everything inside of you, tune into you, ask, does this feel right? And if something inside of you says no, it is wrong. From a primary care perspective, findings suggest that clinicians in these settings need to maintain a high index of suspicion about the possibility of multiple sexual partners, sexual traumatization, and sexually transmitted diseases in these patients, as well as the need to address contraception and prophylaxis against sexually transmitted diseases. (laughs) This sentence is just so fucking doctory to me. It's like, from a doctor's perspective, make sure that you've got condoms ready to throw at all these PPD people when they walk in the fucking room because they be hoes. Wow. Cool. Thank you. Great. It finishes off by saying, likewise, patients who present with promiscuity in primary care settings may need to be evaluated for BPD and possibly referred for treatment to a mental health professional. You think? Thank you. (laughs) But they have to say this. This is research. In summary, the psychodynamic theme of impulsivity, as described in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 4th edition, appears to be a legitimate subcriterion in many patients with BPD. What seems to be the missing in the current descriptors is the undertone of victimization that also characterizes the sexual behavior with these patients. So they're tying this up and saying that impulsivity is a huge problem for us. Impulsivity as a whole, and because we struggle with impulsivity, we struggle with sex and relationships, right? Because sex and relationships, it is if it is an area in our lives that is not best approached from an impulsive perspective. So if we just have a natural impulsive perspective to life, we're going to struggle, right? Until we're aware of it, and then we can work on it. This is not, you are not doomed. I like that they finish and say, what seems to be missing in the current descriptors is the undertone of victimization that also characterizes the sexual behavior of people with BPD. I'm going to go into a description of the victim triangle. If you want to do extra homework, you can look up the victim triangle. Start looking into victimization, victim mindset, When we have a victim mindset, when we believe that life happens to us and not something that we have control over, when we believe that the world is a scary place and life is happening to us and we are just kind of being swept in the currents of life, it leaves us open to being victimized in many ways in our life. And it happened to me. I'm speaking again, big sister Molly time. Think about how you may be approaching your life in a way 
where you're moving through the world as though the world is a scary place. And maybe the world has been scary, but we have to find in ourselves where that mentality is keeping us stuck, that the world is a scary place, that everything is happening to us. We can make small choices that start to help us feel more in control. We're going to leave it there for today because that's a lot. Going through research like that is a lot. And I know it's overwhelming when you're struggling with it. So I hope that going through it together and also breaking it down when it kind of starts to get, quite frankly, sometimes really offensive sounding and walking through it and realizing the truths where they're there and then realizing where we have to just fill in the blanks ourselves. I hope doing that together with me was helpful for you. I'm developing some type of tradition. I feel like I need to close each episode with a hopeful message of something or that inspires me or by someone that inspires me. And I brought RuPaul up at the beginning of this episode. And honestly, he is one of the most inspiring people to me. And he has embodied a, such a sense of self-love that I think would resonate for a lot of us if we're struggling with intimacy issues or um, our sexuality as it relates to BPD. So I recently came across this interview that RuPaul did on YouTube with Vanity Fair, and I just want to play a couple of his answers to these questions for you to finish out the podcast because he's just so wise. He's someone who has created an empire. I mean, if you've not heard of RuPaul's Drag Race, then you've been living under a rock. Well, maybe that's... <laughs> I'm just... I've always been embraced by the gay community and the drag community. And it's hold such a special place in my heart. Um, so maybe I'm just biased, but I feel like a lot of people have heard of RuPaul's Drag Race. And if you haven't heard of RuPaul, look him up. Um, so without further ado, here are some words from Mama Ru to bring you into a better week. Advice I give to someone who feels alone is that, um, first of all, feelings are not facts you know what you feel is an indicator but a lot of times it's not really the truth because the truth is we are not separate from one another we are actually one thing we are one thing but from your perception is uh, makes you think and your ego makes you think that, that we're we're two different things that you're over there and I'm over here but the truth is we are actually one thing together my mother told me something very important. She influenced the way I conduct my life to this day, which is unless they are paying your bills, pay them bitches, no mine. So uh, she gave me the chutzpah and the moxie to do my life my way. You've said we're all born naked and the rest is drag. What does that mean? I've famously said you're born naked and the rest is drag what that means is that we are all more than just what it says we are on our driver's license or what it says we are in our job description we are actually in reality an extension of the power that created the whole universe can you handle it mm, can you handle it can you you are so much more 
than what it says on your driver's license, as Rue says. You're so much more than your BPD. I want you to take those words and have the most amazing rest of your day. All right, you messy, amazing, emotional, fabulous human beings doing this life thing. That is it for today's episode. I want to thank you so much for listening because out of all the millions, billions of podcasts in the world, you chose to listen to mine. And that means a lot to me. And if you listen this far, I know you never want to miss a new episode. So to make sure that doesn't happen, click follow in your podcast player of choice and you will be alerted every time I drop a new one. To help me grow and help the podcast reach as many people as possible, go ahead and leave an honest rating and review. Not only that, I love to hear your feedback, so please share it with me. I read every single review, and you just might hear it read out loud on the podcast. To connect with me directly, follow me on social media and keep up with all the new updates. You can find that all at backfromtheborderline.com. And as always, any articles, resources, or other helpful information you've heard today can be found in the description of this podcast episode. So don't forget to check out the show notes. And until we meet again, remember, life is a circle, a cycle, a process, separation, initiation, return. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.